This is Alice Bag, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in Five Songs with host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again. Welcome back to another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, uh, this is episode 212. I'm calling this, What's the Point of This Band? The idea here... Um, you know, I was going to try to get variety in there or styles or numbers of styles. Always the challenge is to come up with a with a short snapper of a of a title here. Uh, versatility. Uh, you know, I was thinking of doing examples, maybe doing it on a video show and doing top five, three up, three down sort of thing. But anyways, the point is we are here doing it here on our audio podcast. And um, the idea here is... I've been having these conflicted thoughts about the the pros and cons of bands being um, versatile or thinking they're versatile. I mean, maybe they aren't versatile, and that's kind of the problem here. So, so the pros and cons of of having a whole bunch of different styles, and then and then the next sort of level, uh, you know, peeled onion level here is what is the point of this? Why why are you doing all these different styles, and and how are you different from a band? Who, who has generally one sort of style and um, and seems to be doing that style because they like that kind of music. They're sure they like this kind of music. They want to participate in that, you know, slightly uh, tighter genre or subgenre. They want to make music like the music they like. Um, they want to get good at doing one thing. Um, and they think that's a good way to spend their 38 minutes uh, in the 70s and 80s or 40 minutes or 60 minutes on a CD or whatever whatever the heck we're going to do now. We're essentially we're essentially still making full-length albums out there even though physical's kind of gone, right? But you know, and we're seeing all sorts of different album lengths. Maybe there's even an episode in there too. I know I we've done this album's too long, this album's too short. But uh yeah, so generally, you know, CDs albums these days are still an hour long. So, the idea here is um is yeah with with all these with all these twists in the catalog why are these bands doing it just just pondering what is the point of this band um and uh so we've got different examples here and uh we're going to end on a happy note uh with two bands where i think it is actually working that they're doing this um but these first three um not so sure so let's uh let's take a listen to our first selection here this is nazareth with no mean monster Years 
Okay, so this is from the Big Dogs album, and I wanted to pick something to put Nazareth on a happy story to. I'm a big Nazareth fan. I wrote a Nazareth book. You can get my Nazareth visual biography um, right now at martinpopoff.com, and actually we've we've updated it and changed the cover and stuff. They're putting that out of print, uh, and it's, it's now just going to be called Nazareth, a visual biography. Anyways... Um, I wanted to pick something from Big Dogs and this later period, Dan McCafferty, before he's sadly gone. You know, the band now has um, two albums uh, with the new lead singer, right? Carl Sentence. Um, but so the the thing with Nazareth, everybody complains about Nazareth, and I sort of complain too, where they just seem to be this band that, um, I mean... For sincere purposes, I'm like again, I'm 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 saying that they don't actually really succeed at it, but but for sincere purposes, they are chasing a good song, right? Um, now, I guess that's the point of this band, right? They they think they're they're kind of looking at a wide palette of rock and roll. Let's start with writing it first of all. So they're looking at a wide palette, uh, and in terms of writing songs, somebody comes in with something, somebody comes up with something, and and it's it's more like the priority is is this a good song can we whip it into shape and turn it into a good song they don't care if it's particularly hard rock uh sometimes i guess they're thinking we want a single um sometimes they're thinking oh we did good with that ballad as the last single let's make sure we have another ballad on every single album uh or two um let's do a funky song uh we happen to be fans of crazy horse for example well that's that's we'll get there in a second but say little feet right we happen to be a fan uh, a fans of little feet let's do a little feet type song um we happen to have toured with deep purple we're fans of deep purple let's do a deep purple type song so they're all over the place and what also happens with nazareth is uh they they compound that variety or versatility whether they have it or not again uh, that's up for argument with uh, even changing arrangements and sounds. So so as you get into sort of the the um, uh, mid-70s or mid-70s to late 70s with this band, you also see uh, them them uh, doing this thing that I call writing heavy and not recording heavy sometimes. Um, so you've, you've got some songs, uh, you know, along the likes of you're close enough for rock and roll and playing the game and expect no mercy um, that, that, uh, that are not quite arranged as heavy as as the songs seem to have been written and again you don't have a lot of super heavy songs then you get into something like malice in wonderland in those later albums where they really change up the arrangement and say okay not only are we writing with with a strange amount of variety that that seems to be confusing everybody and it's not really giving us much of a career it's not giving us a lot of sales but they're also uh, adding in different instrumentation and uh, you know bringing in different producers who think completely, totally differently than uh, you know Nazareth as a quote-unquote classic rock band from the early '70s. Um, and then, of course, the other thing Nazareth does to compound this even more is uh, again uh, consistent with the idea of chasing a good song is that um, they will they will do covers. They will do covers quite often, um, shamelessly, and uh, and the idea is we don't care who wrote the song. It doesn't have to be us. We don't have the egos that tell us we have to write it. Um, we will do a cover, and it's obviously worked out really good for them. This Flight Tonight, Love Hurts, right? Um, 
So some of their biggest hits, My White Bicycle did okay uh, as well. Really cool song, kind of an old, obscure 60s thing. But, you know, they covered Crazy Horse uh, two or three times off of that album. I can't remember the count at this point, but they, they loved that album. And, and um, so, so yeah, Nazareth is definitely an example of this where um, it seems like they've come out the other end uh, with their reputation not super exalted like like our big favorite classic bands of all time uh and and soon as you start talking about nazareth people immediately start um start kind of griping about them and going down the list and and sort of deciding that uh this whole variety thing wasn't so great i don't like any of those 80s albums blah 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 um and it usually comes down to people loving uh, Razmanaz, Loud and Proud, and Hair the Dog, basically, right? Um, that's the classic Nazareth. And and guess what? I mean, and, and I don't know why this should matter, but guess what? Those are the heaviest albums, right? Um, and, the, and the only other one, or the one... Actually, I want to get to the happy story again, why I picked Big Dogs again, but I'll get there. But the only other one where you feel that excitement of discovery and everything being kind of cohesive is when Jeff Skunk Baxter gets involved and, and um, produces... Um, Malice in Wonderland. So that one, there was some excitement around the band, but then, but then the formula just kind of weakened and it didn't, it didn't work. Uh, sort of next time out. Now, the final point about them, I really think Nazareth actually did start to have a unified song in these great, great albums: Rock and Roll, Telephone, News, The News, Big Dogs. These later, these later ones with Dan McCafferty, where. Now everything sort of had, um, you know, working with Yann Roulet, is that his name? Um, were, uh, they, they seem to have uh, this sort of bruising heavy production sound, uh, and Dan's voice was getting even more extreme. And then it was applied to their amount of variety, but the variety tightened up a little. It was all a little more up-tempo rock and roll or bluesy rock and roll, but it sounded like guitar, bass, and drums music. And there were still some good experiments, some some good melody and stuff, but it really certainly didn't sound as uh, as wayward and all over the place as the likes of, boy, what, what do we got? Uh, In Excess and Fool Circle and uh, Snakes and Ladders and all those sorts of records, right? Um Snakes and Light, I think this was called, yeah. So, so, um, yeah, all, all of that period is basically, you know, the worst period that people, you know, really, really weren't, uh, weren't into. Um, so there you go. Nazareth, uh, has it worked? I, I, it's oddly enough, like I say, I, I think they had a unified sound during those classic years. And then, uh, my, my favorite Nazareth albums besides those classic years were those three or four, uh, no jive included, uh, th- those albums with Dan, uh, before sadly he had to retire and then, uh, he passed away from his COPD situation. Um, All right, let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Okay, back again here on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 211, What's the Point of This Band? Um, so we're going to have a similar conversation here, but it's uh, different circumstances. Trooper, Canadian band Trooper. So I've been talking about these guys on video lately a little bit, but uh, yesterday I went for a kind of a walk hike just to get some exercise in, a, in the Great Dawn Valley, total super nature, you know, right here in downtown Toronto, unbelievable. But I walked around listening to Trooper. I didn't have my watch, so I said, okay, I want to stay out for at least two albums, right? So I played two Trooper albums in their entirety. And the whole time I'm thinking, uh, what was I playing? I think I was playing Flying Colors because uh, we just did this Three Dressed Up as a Nine song. Let's play it now. Trooper with Three Dressed Up as a Nine. Okay, so this is from the Flying Colors uh, album, uh, 1979. Um, interesting year. I've uh, done a couple of video shows lately looking at this year. Um, so yeah, what a weird song, eh? And a weird band. Um, so yeah, three dressed up as a nine. You, you probably couldn't get away with that uh, these days. But uh, yeah, so you know, you, you kind of know what that means. It's just one of these boy-girl, uh, you know, appearances uh, sort of songs. Anyways, so I'm walking around listening to Trooper thinking... What 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 is the point of this band? What are they doing here? Are are they are they sort of just chasing 
Uh, the good song, are they chasing a hit? Does one guy come in with kind of a bluesy pop song and another guy comes in with something with a hint of a power chord? And then, and then yeah, like they've got piano and strings ballads. They've got synthesizers. Um, they've got some, you know, they do a, a cover of The Kinks all day and all of the night, which I swear... I'm listening to this thing and it's got this kind of weird synthesizer bass pattern and thinking that's, that was probably the reason they did this almost is is like somebody had this cool sound that they thought they wanted to use. Um, you know, they got Ray McGuire as the lead singer, but then other guys sing as, sings as well. Um, and I'm just going through all this. Um, they've got novelty hits, right? Like General Hand Grenade and, uh, oh, what is that song called? Where's my trooper? Hot Shots album. You wouldn't believe this. So they've got... Trooper has a greatest hits album that here in Canada, it's a gatefold. It's got die cutting with these bullet holes in a in a, in a in sort of an arrow. Um, this album went six times platinum in Canada. So we're talking like a, a um, you know, an album that would have been even gold in the States. But um, the hits they had here, the, boy, the Boys in the Bright White Sports Car. So that's like a novelty hit. It's kind of a rocker. General Hand Grenade's kind of like a BTO song. And again, like I say, they're a Vancouver band. Uh, you know, they're all they're all um, tied up in this uh, this Prism Lover Boy sort of consortium. You know, Brian Smith is in the band as well, um, managed by Sam Feldman. Um, Two for the Show is just like this glammy ballad. So that's the other thing they do is is just this weird glam stuff. Um, Santa Maria. Which is almost like a, um, it's almost like a Jimmy Buffett song. Um, We're here for a good time, not a long time. Is even more of like a Jimmy Buffett song. So these are like, these are like sort of um, glam novelty songs. Oh, pretty lady, it's been a long time. Round, round we go. Moment, uh, moment that it takes. Raise a little hell. That's their other big one, right? So raise a little hell. Uh, it falls into this idea of pomp rock. So, so this almost like this pre-hair metal sort of music, um, post-glam pre-hair metal, but they're from Canada, they're from Western Canada. So, so yeah, Trooper and Prism both, both fall into this thing. So, you know, I'm just like walking around the Don Valley thinking, why are these guys doing this stuff? Are they doing it to, um, you know, hopefully that every fifth song is a hit single or somebody says it's a hit single or some radio guy plays it or, or the label pushes it as a hit single and it becomes a, 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 a you know, a hit and we make some money. Um, but there's just all this all this variety across these albums, jarring variety uh, between these genres that don't really seem to go together. Um, and I suppose in the aggregate, you add up all these albums. Like, what do we got here? We got we got two for the show, flying colors. We got the the Trooper Trooper album with the weird you know the weird artwork on the front. Knock 'em Dead Kid. Um, you know, and it, and it's funny they they almost um, they almost uh, or or they do help their their unity thing with having this uh this classic logo they've got this logo that is uh that is like um you know red going into orange like like fire right uh and then it's got this sort of aquamarine blue around it and it's a it's a true classic 70s logo uh with these five stars coming off of it and it looks really good right and then the album covers have sort of a unity because of this they use these colors um so they've got that going for them, but it's just just this strange. It it almost strikes me as almost a Canadian thing that bands would do this, and I'm just thinking, I guess you're in this because 
you're in this not because you like a certain type of music. You're in this because you like the art of songwriting almost like you're doing a crossword puzzle or working on the engine of your car or something. You just you're just trying to take a song to 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 its conclusion and you don't care what kind of song it is. So there's no conviction or love of a certain kind of music when you're making this music. Um and in the aggregate, it adds up to something because you can take all these weird styles that they have and clump them all together and say, okay, well, I guess they do those five different things. But do they do any of them particularly well? Um, you know, I, it, it almost seems like like the success of Trooper, and they had a lot of success here in Canada. The success comes from the fact that almost randomly they had these hits. And, and more often than not, there was a little bit of novelty to why they had any hits. So that's kind of interesting. And I think BTO is a little bit like that as well. Um, okay, let's move on to our third selection here. Take a listen to this. This is April Wine with Forever For Now. So this is kind of the same conversation as Trooper, and it happens to be a Canadian band, and I wanted to underscore it with this. And and the reason I wanted to include April Wine in this is because you know I was listening to uh, Grant's Rock Warehouse. Um, they they did a uh, they did a ranking of all the April Wine albums, and I listened to the whole thing, and I was like just genuinely frustrated. And it's the same sort of feeling I have with a band like Nazareth, uh, more so or, or less so than Trooper. Put it that way, because I'm a bigger fan of Nazareth and April Wine than I am of Trooper. But um, it's it's that same frustration as you go through the catalog. And, uh, and you're just constantly being bombarded with songs that you go, why are they doing this? What is the point of this? This is like cheesy or it's glam or it's almost a boy band thing or it's country or it's a ballad or they're trying to be funky or, oh, they're showing us that they have blues roots. Um, you know, even later up into Roughly Speaking, it's like kind of a bluesy R&B sort of album. It's weird. Um, and yet... Um, they're kind of known for, um, you know, the, the the somewhat degree of heaviness, kind of like a BTO heaviness around the likes of Electric Jewels and, you know, the live album, of course, and Stand Back. Um, but then it gets kind of poppy again. So this song we played is from Forever For Now. The, the, it's, the, it's the title track, January 77. I believe this is the one they said it was supposed to be a Miles Goodwin solo album. Um, but whatever the case, I mean, this and the whole world's going crazy are just pretty or maybe is that one supposed to be sold anyways they're they're both just really kind of mainstream poppy rock sort of thing of, of the 70s right um and and they they sound pretty dated right and yet so they have that early heavy period and yet um what they're most celebrated for is again surprise uh you know harder faster is essentially their hair the dog or Rasmus or loud and proud and so is uh, the nature of the beast so those are the two albums that were the biggest in the states i believe we've got maybe a gold and a platinum um so they had some success in the states um but again uh it's it's for it's for the you know the general you know slightly more up tempo heaviness across those records power play as well a little bit and first glance leading up to Harder, Faster uh, in 78 uh, ahead of it uh, with with the likes of Roller. Um, But they also, 
kind of made it with these uh, these up-tempo, guitar-y, kind of party rock, poppy songs, but were still distortion pedal songs. Um, and then, of course, just like Trooper, uh, they had some ballads that did well, and just like Nazareth, they had some ballads that, that, that did well. So you wonder, on a cynical basis or not, you know, these are their biggest songs, this gave them a career, this earned them some money, so I guess they're going to do that as well. But again, the whole point across across these bands is like, why are they doing this exactly? Are they just looking for a song that they can get, you know, as wide consensus as possible? Miles, of course, is the boss of the band, but wide consensus that Ah, I guess it's a good song. We don't care what style it's in, but I guess it's a good song. And then they pay somewhat some attention to how how many of each kind of song are an album, but it's pretty loose uh, because these albums can really be all over the place. And then the early stuff, you know, the April Wine self-titled and on record uh, as as Grant's uh, excellent show. Uh, you can go check that out on YouTube. Uh, went through those; those were rated pretty low. But even these guys, so so there were four guys on there, I believe, right? Four, four grand. Um, and you know, it was it was a little all over the place. There was some consensus, uh, you know, panning out at the end because I guess they they agree with me that nature of the bees harder, faster, power play, first glance. That's kind of like their golden period. Um, but yeah, still there there was uh, there was obvious confusion in uh, in even uh, their ranking that was going on. Um, so that's your April Wine uh, again, a band that I've always been. For, my last final story about April Wine is um, I might have mentioned this before. Uh, not not a not a happy moment, um, but I was backstage with the guys and uh, I had uh, given miles my big collector's guide book and he started flipping through it and reading the reviews and i had rated a lot of the albums kind of low and he was getting really ticked off and um you could tell he was getting kind of angry he's known to be a little cranky as well anyways right um but yeah signed my stuff and stuff and it was all okay and you know not there was no blow up about it but you could tell uh yeah that i've run into that a couple times where you where you give these guys a, a, one of these record review books and they rather than keep talking to you they immediately start opening up and reading it right looking for their albums and uh yeah he was not happy uh at these <laughs> low reviews of april wine but um you know that's that's possibly a, a problem on the part of the fan like myself it's like oh my mind isn't open uh, i just want them to rock and be heavy maybe someone else you know uh maybe some some uh, someone of the female persuasion wants just those uh those wedding song ballads right um they've done that before um and uh, and they've they've done great at it right um so maybe maybe it's the fault of the fan and uh and we should be more open-minded and and be loving what uh what these bands do but uh okay so let's end off on a happy note here uh and we'll discuss these bands take a listen to this this is led zeppelin with black country woman All right, to the great physical graffiti. So Led Zeppelin is a band that uh, has always said, we, we, we're we so versatile. We, we give you a lot of everything, right? And that always kind of annoyed me. You know, I've said this before where the idea is, look, if you only got 40 minutes, um, 
you can't be all things to everybody uh, because you mathematically are just going to be that number of minutes of that to those persons. Whether with Zeppelin, it's uh, acoustic music like this Black Country Woman, which uh, is also a little sort of like uh, bluegrassy hillbilly kind of music, right? Um but it could be folky as well, but you could have the Led Zeppelin blues, you can have the proggy stuff, you can have the heavy stuff, you can have the short snappers, you can have long songs. Um, so yes, they do all those things, um, but you know they shouldn't be so confident in themselves that they're pleasing everybody with this because you can't please everybody with eight minutes of this on the album and three minutes of that and seven minutes of that. Um, you know, some you know everybody's going to go away mathematically exactly as happy as uh, you know the math works out. Um, so, but on the other hand. I think this is an example of a band where um, you're excited about uh, when they try something different, right? People, you know, okay, so so the least the least appreciated songs are the likes of The Crunge, um, Hot Dog, maybe All My Love even, just for being too much of a rote ballad, although it's about the death of his son, um, and what, uh, Jamaica, right? Um, their, their sort of attempt at reggae or whatever. But in general... Um, Everybody's kind of like excited and curious and want to see Zeppelin, you know, do all these different things um, and uh, and and like push the envelope and uh, and just be daring and creative and brave. Um, so I think this is a case where you would say uh, they are a versatile band because generally uh, when they try these six or so different things that they do across those eight albums, Generally, they're successful at it, and and there is a large fan base for for everything they're trying. So that is kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, I I wanted to just uh, state here that yeah, there's so many bands that don't fit into this that aren't these uh, these crazy wild different um, because you know Zeppelin. Well, our last episode actually co- compares to Sabbath, and I've always said that I'd I'd rather Sabbath explore way more heavy metal, uh, you know, in comparison to someone like Zeppelin, because they do a really good job of it, and and so they're, so they're focusing, big deal. So they're focusing on one thing. Yes, they they aren't doing a whole bunch of different things, um, but I'm fine with that. Uh, but then also, uh, by the same token, uh, but by doing songs that are. are possibly not even that great when they get super super quiet um you know they aren't particularly the most celebrated songs in the world changes laguna sunrise you know planet caravan whatever um am i going insane who are you um so maybe maybe sabbath in a sense isn't particularly versatile but they don't they don't exercise the versatile muscle either right um so yeah, yeah, we could have that debate. Um, but yeah, you know, Priest isn't particularly versatile. Uh, the least versatile bands in, on the planet, of course, are the Ramones, ACDC, and Motorhead. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think Zeppelin is a is a uh, is a creative winner at this. Let's move on to number five because this is my favorite one of these. This is Queen with Fun It. Okay, so that's kind of like a disco track off of uh, Jazz, 1978. I love it to death. Uh, I'm even more excited um, 
when Queen uh, gives us this this dizzying versatility, especially in the seventies, maybe kind of only in the seventies, a little bit, a little bit in the eighties. But I, I think a whole bunch of the things they try in the eighties are not what I want to hear. But as an example of a band who does the very very best job of this, every single thing they try in a strange direction in the seventies, I'm totally on board. I'm confident that they are geniuses at being versatile and they're going to do a good job of it. So everything from the 1920s dance hall music of their parents uh, to, you know, blazing heavy metal of Stone Cold Crazy and Modern Times Rock and Roll and Sheer Heart Attack um, and everything in between. Mustafa and Funnet on this album. Um, Let Me Entertain You is a heavy one. Uh, the, the poppy stuff they do. The acoustic things they do, the occasional slow blues they do, that's probably my least favorite thing. But, um, and I wanted to pick this one because, yeah, it's got it's got strange drum production. It's a duet between Roger and Freddie. Um, so it's got a lot of creativity going into it. So there you go. I, I, think, uh, I think Queen is probably my favorite example of a band where, uh, what's the point of this band? The point of this band is is that they are incredibly versatile and they can do all these different things and uh, and I I love it. The point of the point of Queen is their versatility, um, and the point of these other bands I think is the, well, well and Zeppelin. Okay, so so their versatility. The the point of our less successful examples I think is they're chasing the perfect song, but with Queen, uh, I I just feel like they're celebrating versatility. Uh, so that's kind of the cool thing. So there you go. There is your uh, what is the point of this band uh, situation. Um, so yeah, our two our two successful examples, just to put a little more, uh, you know, uh, focus on Led Zeppelin and the question, what is the point of this band? Um, I think the point of that band is that they are um, really celebrating and exploring um, a, a tighter range of things than Queen, but they're exploring music they really like, and they and they they're almost like 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 a Metallica, you know, a Metallica wants to explore one type of music they like. Uh, Led Zeppelin wants to explore like four or five types of music they like. I think that's kind of the thing. They're enthusiastic about this kind of music, and they want to add to the canon of that kind of music. Uh, whereas Queen, I think it's just about oh man, we love being being versatile, and look how successful we are at it kind of thing um so there you go if you like the show and want to support future episodes go to kofi rhymes with uh sorry coffee rhymes with uh <laughs> there we go again it's always complicated kofi.com slash martin popoff there we go just let's go with that kofi.com slash martin popoff hit that red support button buy me a coffee or a pint you know it's just a paypal thing a three dollar button kind of thing um on that uh, front i want to thank andy a black sugar transmission joe back to bel air expediting um Jamie Laszlo, Monty Olson, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Pure Source Massage, or The Infinite Within, uh, Steve Polari, John Stuckey, and William Walker. Very, very generous, William. I know you've been sending me some good ideas, and we'll uh, we'll get to some of those. This one just kind of popped up. Uh, you know what? This one popped up, like I say, to recap, uh, because of watching that April Wine thing and going on that walk yesterday, and frankly, doing, these, doing the Pomp Rock episode with Pete recently, where I talked about trooper and prism and then also doing the one uh where we had phil Aston on on pete's show where we talked about bands from our own country and all of that got me thinking about this but walking around listening to trooper yesterday it was like i gotta talk about this i have no idea why this band does what they do um so i thought that was kind of cool uh you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs you know i still got the um 
I've still got the uh, the Pink Floyd, the ACDC, and the David Bowie. Those are the three super plush, nice ones uh, recently. The Cure, I'm working on a couple more of those panel books, but the Cure one, the Bluish Cult one is coming soon. Um, there you go. Uh, go play some Three Dressed Up as a Nine. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.